This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, you please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop a podcast about TikTok and internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. So this week we got a DM from a listener. D- should I say a fan? Yeah, let's a say fan. a fan. Okay. It it's was a very first- sweet DM. I was very excited to get it. She was asking for us to talk about West Elm Caleb, or she was hoping that we would talk about West Elm Caleb. And, to- you know, she was right. We were, we were already talking about West Elm Caleb. All we were talking about was West Elm yeah. Caleb. <laughs> like, what kind of podcast do you think this is that we would not talk about West Elm Caleb. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the peak content for our podcast, which is a very tall fuckboy who's being just dragged across <laughs> every TikTok possible. Across more than 15 million TikTok videos. Is it is that true? 15 million? Yeah, that's a number I saw. Um, there was an embedded article that I read last night that cited that there was about 15 million or something. Oh my God, that poor man. Yeah. Jesus. So basically, here's a long and short of what happened in case you haven't been paying attention. Um, a couple of days ago, this woman at memes made a video calling out this tall guy named Caleb that she went on a date with in New York City. And it was basically just calling out this guy who had ghosted her, um, mm-hmm. like without but not by name, but like very short, simple video um, other than his first name, Caleb. It went viral, and here's what happened next. But I kept having girls comment, being like, is this the West Elm Caleb? And I'm like, who is this West Elm Caleb? And why do you guys keep asking that? Like, how do you guys all know this guy? I was so confused. But then I get a DM from a Caleb who says he's also very tall, and I click on his bio, and it says West Elm Furniture Designer. And I was like, oh my God, is this him? So all of these women dated this guy, Caleb, who works at West Elm, and I yeah. just seen this woman's video and the comments and we're like, wait, are you talking about West Elm Caleb? Like, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't counted how many women, but like there was a lot. Dozens, and the fun- dozens. The funny thing is that she wasn't even talking about West Elm Caleb. And yet, <laughs> um, because there were so many people who were just like, does is this this guy? Um, she made a follow up video that started all of this and, you know, ended up becoming what is a big saga in over the course of a week of this guy basically being canceled by all the women in New York dating. So here's what we know about West Elm Caleb. And we're going to couch this all with allegedly for legal reasons, Um, even though we're not accusing him of anything illegal per se, but he's allegedly a furniture designer at West Elm. Um, He's six foot five. He allegedly has a mustache and uh, he used a lot of dating apps. Mostly Hinge and Bumble were the big two. Mostly Hinge and Bumble. And the narratives are all kind of the same story. Um, He matches with women on a dating app. He allegedly love bombs them. 
meaning he lavishes them with compliments and makes them feel all special. Um, and then he allegedly ghosts them, or in some case he goes in some cases he allegedly ghosts them after sleeping with them. There is one accusation um, from one woman who said that he sent her unsolicited dick pics. And then when she asked him about it, he, you know, allegedly said something about how he did it because he was insecure about being used for his dick. But that's that's only one allegation that I've seen. The rest is basically just love bombing and ghosting. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just such a mess. And also people were putting together a lot of the timeline and what he was sending. So um People were saying that they had gotten the same playlist. Basically, they had gone through a Spotify after he had sent them a playlist of his, like, sad sad boy music, sad art boy music, as he was calling it in the text and had been quoted on, um, that, you know, he had just sort of renamed the same playlist <laughs> repeatedly on Spotify. And you can click in and see everyone's playlist when you go to someone's profile and was basically sending a new playlist a quote-unquote nude playlist every girl was sending the same photos people were like oh yeah i've seen that same photo of this like soy chorizo that he says is his like special dish that he makes um (laughs) they were going on the same dates and you know they were it was a it was progressing kind of similarly which i you know on some level if you're dating that much and you're doing the numbers game of dating where you're going on that many dates it's honestly probably good to have your own sort of formula of, like, just doing the same thing. However, he did so many that everyone caught him in the act and were able to sort of connect that not only was he doing all the same things, slightly changing it, but at the same time, after he had allegedly told some of these girls that he had deleted his dating apps, um, that he wasn't seeing anyone else, there was, like, a few girls that he was seeing for about, like, you know, four to six weeks, and then it turned out that he had not deleted his dating apps um, and was apparently going on these other dates at the same time. Right. So, Brittany, what was your opinion when you first heard about West Elm, Caleb? Because I, I, when I was single, I was not, this was, you know, way prior to the emergence of dating apps. But my understanding is, like, at the very least, he's guilty, allegedly, of juggling a lot of women at the same time and not being honest with them. And at the very worst, he's allegedly a fucking creep. But it also doesn't seem like that unusual behavior for men in New York City on dating apps. West Elm, Caleb you know, he has existed in various forms over the years. There are so many West Elm Caleb's. If you've dated in New York for any period of time, you have likely been ghosted by the same guy a friend of yours has been ghosted by. You have likely encountered a million guys just like this. Like, West Elm Caleb is no longer just like a, I mean, this is a big point of it. He's no longer just a person. He's a symbol of something greater in the New York dating scene, which is kind of this, like, intimacy that you want to get from dating and then kind of ends in the sort of coldness of ghosting, which is a shitty thing, a shitty way to end things, but a very common part of dating app culture and a very common part of dating in New York City with texting and sort of the idea that you're meeting strangers through the apps and the fact that it's very easy for them to also subsequently disappear from your life entirely. Um, It just seems to me like it's very prototypical 25-year-old male behavior. Like, you've just moved to New York City. You're super tall. It's And so you know that, like, you're in some sort of, like, vaunted sexual position, you know, for better or for worse. And and he, you kind of just, like, treat... You're, you're new to New York, and you just, like, treat New York as, like, your own sexual buffet, and it starts to kind of get, like, ahead of you, you know? Yeah. Like, I could understand why, like, in his quest to gamify these apps like he could have just kind of 
lost the thread and ignored the humanity of all of these women. I mean, I do also think that we're giving him too much credit by (laughs) saying that it's gamifying it. Like, I I genuinely don't think that that is, you know, I think there are a lot of, and we're, you know, if we're talking specifically about, like, cis straight men on the apps, like, I'm sure there are a lot of them, and I'm very certain a lot of them do gamify it and do think of it as that. Uh, You know, based off just, like, the text and sort of the kind of everything, you know, basically the evidence that we have been presented by the women on TikTok, which is not strong evidence, but it is just what the only thing we have because Caleb hasn't spoken. Um, but like, it's just, he just seems like an idiot. Like he just, you know, it's just like a, it's a, it's dumb boy stuff. It's just like, you're, you're 25. Like you said, you're 25, you're tall, like you're dating, you want to date a lot. And you're just like going on these dates. The easiest thing to do is just go to the same places. Um, you know, I have so many friends who, you know, are less like that and just tend to take their dates to the same bars or the same locations because it's just easy. They know that place. They know it's a safe place. They know they can just do that. Um, The playlist thing, that's a little bit, I mean, it's kind of funny, but I kind of get it as a move that has worked effectively enough where you're like, I'm going to continue doing this because That would work on me, honestly. Yeah. I don't know if it would work on me. I don't like male music taste. um, So I don't (laughs) know if it would work on me. But, like, I just, like, you know, it's stuff like that. Like, I I can see why it's, you know, those things are effective. You're kind of stuck in these same cycles anyway on dating apps where you're sending the same questions, the same small talk, and the same sort of, like, you know, these things have worked. Let me try this out. So I kind of get it from that perspective. But I also think it's, like, again, dumb guy behavior. You're 25. Like, you're not going to be particularly adept at this. You're not going to, like... You're not a, a super spy. You're not like a secret agent who can like easily maneuver through this. Like you're dating in the greater New York area. People are going to put it together. Girls talk like, you know, people will figure out that, oh, yes, we have dated the same person even without TikTok. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's basically what happened is that, you know, there was a very John Tucker must die dynamic going on here where the girls, the girlies found out they they banded together. They called him out correctly. And but. At this point, it starts to get a little crazy because he goes viral outside of this, you know, outside of New York City. And West Elm's Instagram starts getting inundated with comments. People are doxing Caleb. People are calling for him to be fired in the comments of these videos. It's very similar to what happened with Couch Guy, um, the guy who appeared in the viral video we talked about a few weeks ago, where people started accusing him of cheating on his girlfriend based on the evidence of like an awkward viral video. But it's it's arguably worse for Caleb because yeah. the allegations against him are more serious. And it just got really dark really yeah. quick. And I, I think, you know, something that I had written about when I wrote about West Elm Caleb is like the dating app privacy is a very messy part of, you know, especially TikTok culture now, but of all social media culture where there is no inherent promise or, you know, agreement that you have when you sign on to a dating app that you have to respect people's privacy. A a dating app profile is semi-public. You know, it's obviously meant to be seen by only the people that are on the app and preferably the people that you match with is, are the people that you're sort of, you know, having the longest FaceTime with your, your profile. But with TikTok, there is such a trend of people sharing dating app profiles and sharing funny dating app stories. Again, we talked about the the hinge audio message trend that was happening on TikTok. And a lot of people did try to cover up names and faces where they could, but for the most part, they didn't. Like that was just a big part of it was that, 
people just kind of had their information out there um, for everyone to see while they're, you know, making fun of them and making fun of their what they're saying. That's always been a big thing on Instagram, on Twitter. Like, there's no inherent privacy to that. So Caleb got the brunt of this, which is that because there is no moral or legal obligation for anyone on a dating app to respect someone's privacy, his last name was leaked. Of course, his job um because that was a, a topic of conversation between him and many of the girls was the fact that he's a designer at West Elm, created the nickname West Elm Caleb. So it's very easy to find him. It's very easy to know where he works and to kind of go ahead and be like, you know, fire this guy for being a fuckboy, as many people did in the comments of West Elm's social media platforms. Um, there's nothing that people, people know where he went to college. People know like way too much information about this kid who's, again, his biggest crime is being just a bad communicator and terrible dater. Like, I saw a lot of videos where people were sharing all this information, and they are just like, I matched with him, too. Like, here's his profile, so you know. Yeah. Um, and they hadn't even talked to him. They hadn't even had any experience with him. And they were sharing all this information. And the girls who had, like, maybe, I, you know, they didn't do it for a good reason, but, like, probably had the biggest reason to do it did not do it, which is important um, separation with that, which is that they did not call him out beyond his behavior. Yeah. And even in the comments, I saw a couple of them were like, don't dox him, like, you know, don't harass him. Mm -hmm. But it just very quickly devolved into clout chasing and trying to get, you know, more followers and more views based on jumping on this trend. And this is basically what happens with TikTok. Like we just talk, we tough talked about it so many times. Like the algorithm boosts these videos for people in the area of the creators, which is in this case, New York City. They go viral outside of New York City because people send them to their friends and their friends send them to friends. And as we've talked about, like, if you already engage with the content on TikTok, then the algorithm is just going to give you more and more and more West Elm Caleb content. Like, this yeah. is the, the first West Elm Caleb video I saw, I got served like 10 videos after that because I watched it till the end. Because yeah. it was interesting to me. Like, you know, part of that is because yeah. it is sort of my fault that, like, I was, you know, captivated by this drama. But, I, I mean... It- that's yeah. the problem with the algorithm. It just gives you more of what you want. And that's not necessarily like for the social good or for this person's, you know, the benefit of this person's welfare. I do think that TikTok bears a lot of responsibility here in that this happens. This has happened so many times. Like this happened with Couch Guy. It happened with Sabrina Prater on a more serious note. The um, trans woman who everybody started accusing of being a serial killer based on the fact that like she her videos took place in like a dilapidated house. And these videos just go so viral so quickly. And everybody's just trying to jump on the clout and jump on the trend. And my friend said something really interesting about this particular case, which was um, Caleb and the TikTok girlies behavior seems like the extreme natural endpoints of trying to play the algorithm. Caleb playing the numbers game to an extreme degree. The girls he dated hyping it up for clout. It's the worst of social app tech. And I think that's really true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just all, it's all bad. Like, it's literally all bad. Like, there's no um, good solution and there's no sort of, like, really good outcome to this type of thing. I think, again, like, we're seeing just the, a lot of diluting of, you know, what, what it means to actually sort of, like, cancel and kind of call out bad yeah. behavior. Like, ghosting is bad behavior. Yes, it's bad etiquette more sending than anything. Sending dick pics is, ba- I mean, to be clear, Send, sending dick yeah, pics sending is, pics is, bad, is behavior. bad behavior. But that was only one allegation. Yeah, and it's just like, 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 why are we getting this guy 
fired from his job? Like, why are we involved? Like, why are we doing all this? Like, what is what is the end goal of all of this? By the time I my article came out, like, I feel like people are pretty exhausted by it and kind of all sort of agreed. Like, I feel like I started to see a lot more tweets about people being like, what is going on? Like, this is so stupid. Um, so I feel like it was starting to already turn around in that way where people were just like, this is kind of insane, the the response. Um, but the message that I did get was from a young woman named Leah Selden who had matched with Caleb and had posted a video about her experience with him and has since deleted it. And she is going to talk with us a little bit about her experience and her place in the West Elm Caleb saga with us and give us a little bit more details from inside the storm. Okay. Hi, I'm Leah. Um, I'm a grad student at Wesleyan University. TikTok at Jewish Brat. That's why I'm here. So I want us to focus especially on what's happened in the days since you had joined the West Elm Caleb discourse, of course. But for everyone, can you tell us just a brief synopsis of your experience with West Elm Caleb? Yeah. So, um, was on the dating apps. Um, I think in December, match with this guy, um, and we start text start texting. Um, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I have a screenshot of his profile because I know people are like, this is the most mediocre white boy of all time. But I was wooed. I was like, he's six four. He's a West Elm designer. Like I was, I was sold. I was selling. I was selling the chairs he was buying. I was buying the chairs he was selling. That's the way to say it. Um, we talked very briefly. I think I said something like, oh, what's your, like, what's your goal? Like, what's your dream? Like, just trying to make conversation. And I think he said something like to make the best chair possible. And I was like, that's it? All right. But whatever. Conversation peters out. He doesn't answer me. Fine. Um, I delete my dating apps. I'm seeing someone for a little bit. And then I go back on and, oh, what do you know? There he is again. So we match, and I'm like, oh, well, second second time's the charm. Like, I'm, you know, let's try this again. And I was like, well, he flirts back. And I'm like, oh, well, you already have my phone number. And he's like, I don't think I do. And I was like, ooh, so that means he doesn't remember me. Okay, that's, you know, I'm just not going to pursue that any further. So that was kind of it on my experience with him. Wasn't negative, wasn't positive, didn't feel good when he didn't remember who I was. But, like, that's – I probably wouldn't remember a lot of the guys that I originally texted, so. And earlier in the episode, we talked a little bit about how quickly everything escalated. You know, I there was, like, one day where I shared it with my friends, and then by that evening, it was a completely different story where my friends had no idea what it was happening, and then by the end of the day, it was all anyone could talk about. Um, from your perspective as someone who was just sort of in the middle of how quickly things were going viral and how quickly things were spreading, like, can you talk us through, like, how fast it was that your video started to gain traction, that you started to see the actual discourse really, really blow up. Yeah, it happened. I mean, this was literally an overnight situation. Um, originally, the discourse in the video was like, it was like, it was like funny to me at first. It was like, oh, like, this is the guy that you guys are all like simping over. Oh, I, I didn't realize that I had put his school in my video, the school he attended, and I guess I was one of the only people who did, like, did that. The rest of the information was public, so I got a lot of comments about, like, oh, of course he's a red flag. Like, he went to this school in Savannah, Georgia, or whatever. Um, so, originally, the video comments were, like, they were, like, funny. Like, they were not that harmful. 
And then quickly, as it got bigger and bigger, like into the hundreds and thousands, and like this literally happened like in a day. I was just kind of sitting by and watching it go up and go up. Then the comments got meaner and more aggressive towards him. Like, how dare he, you know, ghost all of New York City? You deserve so much better than this. He's the worst. Just like really not nice things towards him. And I had to make, like I said, I made a clarifying video being like, I did not meet him. Like the way things got generalized really, really quickly where like the girls who were making summary videos were like, this man has ghosted hundreds of girls. This man is love bombing everyone. I'm like, well, if you actually look at it, there's probably around 10 to 15 girls who have reported interactions with him maybe three or four of them have, like, demonstrated love bombing or ghosting, if you can say that. So I think that's when it got a little bit out of hand and we started to generalize him and villainize him. Um, But on my end, it happened so quickly, and I just felt, I was like, okay, I need to say something. This is not going in the direction I want it to go. Um, Like, we can make a joke about the fact that he didn't remember who I was. Like, that's, like, that was funny. Like, that was a main comment on my thing. But then it just, it wasn't funny anymore. And that's when I knew I had to do something. Yeah, you deleted your first two videos. I mean, what was the reasoning behind that? And did you struggle with that decision, considering, like, that this was blowing you up, too? Yeah, I definitely did struggle with that decision. I saw this a video by this New York Times reporter named Lauren, and she was doing this commentary about, like, this is mob mentality. This has gone way too far. And people were at that point, like starting to ruin his life. Like once I saw that people were contacting West Elm, once I saw people were like hunting for his LinkedIn and trying to find all of his socials and contact him, I was like, okay, this is like, that's, that's not okay. In my opinion, like, that's not like, oh, he's a local celebrity, like that we can just call West Elm Caleb. It's like, why do we need to fully dox this man? So I saw this woman Taylor's video where she was saying that this is not justice. Like, uh, she defended, like, and I support the girls who originally came forward and were sharing their negative experiences. That's, that's great. And like, we do have an obligation as women to protect each other. And like, thank God that these girls found out that like, One girl was with him waking up in his bed Saturday morning and he was going on a date with a different one that afternoon. You know, I'm glad that we found that out. I'm glad that those girls know. But um, the way that the conversation turned was, you know, all this fake justice and accountability, but like to dox him and ruin this man's life, I just don't think that's justice. So this woman... um, amazing writer posted these videos and I was listening and ironically all the comments on her video were really really negative they were like you're just a pick me um like men have it so easy why like you know you're we're just trying to hold men accountable for their actions they should be scared to do behaviors like this because then they will get called out um she kept posting more about it and the more I was listening to her I was like had moments of reflection where I was like, it doesn't matter how big I'm blowing up because morally this isn't the right thing to do. How has this experience changed the way that you um, maybe think about like, you know, posting dating content on your own social pages or engage with content where, you know, people are maybe sharing sensitive information about someone in trying to share a funny or horrifying dating story on TikTok or otherwise? 
I think that it has taught me a lot <laughs> that I need to be careful. Um, I think that in the, mo- I think reflecting on the moment where I posted it, like I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking. And I think that's the problem. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about what information I was sharing, how I was contributing to this narrative, especially for something that even though it was small, it was already pre-established and focused on one individual. I think that when we talk about dating, and I do respect that the girls who were originally talking about this did not share his information. Like, I think the girl, first girl who was on um, dates with him, Kate, like, referred to him, like, as a Midwestern boy and, like, some, a tall Midwestern boy and just the internet found it out. Yes, she had a place by confirming it, but I think that moving forward, I am going to be very, very cautious about the information that I share about other people. Um, It's not me. I don't think I would want someone to do the same to me. And I think about that a lot. I was like, this could have been, this could have been me. Like, I didn't do the same behaviors. I didn't send unsolicited photos, but um, this could have been me getting in this trouble. And I think about, you know, Couch Guy and all these other people who have gone viral on the internet from nothing. What do the other women involved think? Like, how how, do they feel the same way as you? Or, like, how have their opinions changed? The women who have had direct contact with Caleb that you've spoken to. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Kate, who was the main girl from the beginning, did post a video acknowledging also the videos that uh, the journalist Taylor, and she had a very nuanced interesting, like, same kind of feelings that I did of saying we took this too far, um, that he has become a metaphor. He didn't sign up to be that. He's, again, he's just one person who's demonstrating very common toxic behavior of men. Mm -hmm. He just happened to be very unlucky in this regard. Um, So she's kind of on, closer to my side, but it is important she didn't delete the videos. She's kept them up and it's, she's profiting off of them. Like she's getting free things. She got offered to do, many of these girls got offered to do dating reality shows. Um, I, there's another girl, I think the one who did send, who did receive unsolicited photos is more on the camp of like, fuck him. This is what he deserves. This is accountability. um, And they don't feel bad about that. I think that's like, part of it, it's like, should you feel bad? That sending unsolicited photos is, you know, is one thing that can be illegal in many states. And that's not a, not a good thing to do. So I do understand that perspective of her having directly been affected by him and saying, no, like, I want to hold him accountable in the public realm. I want to make sure this behavior doesn't continue, not just for him, but on a bigger scale. But I think that a lot of girls, at least the more viral ones, are relishing in this and using it as an opportunity. And when you first reached out to me, it was, you know, you are have been doing some soul searching and kind of grappling with like what, you know, how how you feel about it and how you and you've mentioned a few times, like, how are you feeling about it today as we talk? And, you know, you're a few days, you know, a couple days removed from the experience <laughs> and have sort of been dissecting and and, you know, consuming a lot of content on the entire saga. But how are you personally kind of feeling now that you've been on the other side and through the the trenches of the West Elm <laughs> Caleb soap opera. Yeah, I feel it feels still very unreal that it got to this level. Um, especially just it feels really gross to me how brands and creators are monopolizing on this situation. Um, I, as I said, I maintain that like I think that what I posted originally was fine. I think that it was fine as a local thing. 
Once it got big and the public started demonizing him, that's when it became a problem. I think that I could have handled it in a different way. I could have not shared as much information. I could have not participated at all, but I did, and I stand by that decision. Um, I feel, I still feel very mixed feelings on it. I haven't heard from him, obviously. He probably doesn't, based on his messages to me, he does not have my number saved. I don't think he knows who I am, truly. Um, I'm not expecting a comment from him, but I, I do feel bad. I do feel bad that I might have participated in the harassment of this man. And finally, I mean, with having now learned more about him than you probably would have otherwise, like it probably just would have been sort of like a weird dating story in your past and you would have <laughs> never thought of him again. Um, I mean, do you even have any any judgment on Caleb now that you've learned? Like, what is your sort of, <laughs> do you have a final verdict now that you've kind of spoken with other women and, and people about about him that have had experiences with him? I think it shows how far you can get for being a tall white man who's moderately attractive <laughs> with a mustache. He matched, like, the amount of women that was, like, I matched with him, I matched with him. I swipe right. Like, I just think that it goes to show how pretty privilege. Pretty privilege is absolutely real, and he benefited um, from that. I He did, like, to some degree, as a pretty person, as a pretty white boy, he did have a degree of power, and he was able to use it. He had women falling at his hand. If he wanted to see a girl in the afternoon and the night before, he was, he, I think it's really interesting to see his, like, tactics. He was sending the same playlists to, like, the same songs on a playlist to the same girls. I mean, everyone's got moves. Like, is, I don't know, is that like a crazy thing to say? Everyone's got dating moves. But I think the degree to which he was doing this, such as taking girls on the same dates, even in their later conversations, saying the same things once he had a pre-established relationship, that's not, I don't really love that. I don't like that. Um, so, I'm, but I'm not sure what his end goal was. I saw someone else say, who was involved with him more intimately say that he didn't have friends. Um, and that he was using this, you know, he talked a lot about how he wanted a girlfriend so that he can get, become friends with her friends. So I don't know. I think that he definitely needs to, I think he's got a lot going on. I don't think he should be on dating apps at the moment. That's my, that's my verdict. But I think it shows how powerful you can be as a man in these situations. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So pop punk, a topic we have talked about before on the mm-hmm. podcast, is for real back. Like, it is actually happening. Um, and we have the possible shit show of a festival to prove it. 
So last week, a bunch of bands started posting this flyer, very like messy peak MySpace type of flyer where it was like a million logos on it for a festival called When We Were Young. And it read like a scene kid fever dream. My Chemical Romance and Paramore are co-headlining. And the Russell lineup features all of your early 2000s favorites like The Used, Bring Me the Horizon, Avril Lavigne, The Main, Taking Back Sunday, Jimmy Eat World, Bright Eyes, so many just like all over. And of course, the initial excitement was a big nostalgia wave. This is like millennial bait content. This is Warp Tour on steroids. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone. Everyone was talking about it. It's a dream assembly of the best pop punk and emo had to offer for angsty millennials. Like, again, like this is like the peak sort of nostalgia music. And along with that, there was also a lot of like the Gen Z favorites, like Lil Huddy and Jaden, like all these, um, you know, like the Linda Lindas and Meet Me at the Altar were all on the the lineup as well. Like it's a really massive deal of a festival. Too many. Just, it sounded really cool. And especially My Chemical Romance and Paramore, uh, My Chem, you know, were fa- very famously broken up for many years. They reunited in 2019. Their tours would push back a bunch and it sold out very quickly. So this was another exciting opportunity to see them. Paramore just announced their reunion. Paramore is really, really big on TikTok as well. Like people love Paramore. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a big festival. It's like a really, a lot of big gets. But the more people looked at it, they realized that it may be a nightmare instead of a dream. Like, it's kind of a shit show to think about logistically. Mm-hmm. So the deeply stacked lineup features over 60 bands. And the festival is only slated to occur for one single day. That's the only date <laughs> so in funny. Las Vegas from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on three stages. It sounds like a logistical nightmare. And the user, the Batmare, pointed out that the math was just not math in. Like, it is exactly one day you're paying $300 to maybe see a third of these bands for 20 minutes each. Like, at that, like, if they can do 20 minutes, they likely can't because they have to take down and set up because they're full bands who have equipment and their own equipment they want to use. Like, I don't think they're going to use the same drum set the entire day. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to use the same guitars all day. Like, you know, there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into breaking down and setting up a set that just seems like a nightmare. So it seems like an insane undertaking made worse by the fact that inevitably inevitably means everyone will have to choose between My Comical Romance and Paramore. If hate crimes against emo kids could exist, this would surely qualify. Who would you choose? I would rather kill myself. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's literally no good option there. Like, I, I would honestly rather just, like, chop off a limb. Is it, like, Angela Lansbury and Julie Andrews, like, giving, a, like, a concert? <laughs> At yes. the same time, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the theater kids. Okay, that's the only, okay, I understand now. Yes. So it's, it's a, I mean, it's just kind of, it's not like these are two different genres of artists playing at the same time. Like most festivals, if you go to like Lollapalooza or Coachella, what they try to do is they try to have on each stage at the, you know, they'll typically have multiple artists playing at the headline slot and multiple artists playing at the same time all day. That's just how it works. But they are often kind of staggered in a way, <clears throat> staggered in a way where it's like, you know, one stage has like an EDM DJ, one stage has like a major yeah. rock band, one stage has a rapper. Like these are just like the like the same kids grew up on both these artists. And so that's why and it's also a big deal they're both reuniting. That's I, it seems like it, it seems like such a major like correct me if I'm wrong, because this is this is your coverage area and it's not like I don't know the intricacies of like how to plan a festival, but it seems mm-hmm. to me like such a basic principle of promoting a festival 
yeah. is that you don't book so many acts like at the same time and you don't book like this many like right isn't that just like yes. a very basic fundamental it's also kind of insane to call a festival like a one day event a festival uh-huh. so it was all over tiktok of course like everyone sort of there was the first wave of content as with you know on twitter as well was excitement people were really really stoked about this but then it very quickly became email fire fest. Like people were talking about how there is no way this seems legit. And, you know, there was concerns about the fact that it's Live Nation behind it. And Live Nation was behind Astroworld. And having on top of um, that major, major tragedy to mm-hmm. come back with a festival that seems like a full-on logistical nightmare, um, just in terms of like getting people from stage to stage, getting all these bands on to perform just seems like a little bit of a mess and people have a right to be a little untrust like you know distrusting of but to be but live nation produces most of the like isn't that the biggest promoter in the world like it's not necessarily significant in itself that live nation is behind this yes but also because it's another festival and i think it's the first festival that live nation's been on since astroworld it's Mm -hmm. um i think that's why people are a little bit concerned because it's not like a festival that looks i don't know like it would go off without a hitch like there were concerns before people knew I, yeah, I get it. Was attached to it, so that obviously added a level of mistrust that people were now having. Um, and you know, it's just like it just seemed it just seemed too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of content calling it emo firefest and just being a little bit worried. I don't think this is quite firefest level. The festival existed before. This is the second time that's happened. However, the last time it happened was a much smaller lineup over two days. You know, that just made more sense. The bands, there was, a, I think, like, the All-American Rejects were the first band to sort of be, like, I guess we're playing with everyone at the same time. Like, you know, it's just kind of, like, they sort of pointed out that it also seemed a little bit messy. So I'm not sure how much the actual bands knew about the lineup or how stacked it was for exactly one day. I hope that the promoters are able to look at the criticism and expand the festival if at all possible. It would make more sense for this to happen over two to three days, given the number of artists and the number of the amount of time that people would want to spend for the amount of money that they're spending to see a festival over for $300, spend a day at a festival for $300 is kind of insane. Um, if not, it's a total waste of money. And, and you know, it's just it's just a waste of time as well. So... If that's the case, I will just wait until Warp Tour is inevitably rebooted. Yeah, it seems like a logistical nightmare. And like when I I love I love um solving logistical nightmares. Yeah. It's one it's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> so if they have any questions about like how to I mean, despite the fact that I have absolutely no experience in festival planning or event planning whatsoever, like, you know, if they want to figure it out, um, they can ask me. But I would I would see I had a very short emo phase. Like, yeah. I was, I was the kind of, I had, like, I loved Avril Lavigne for, like, three months, and then I was the kid who was, like, oh, she's a poser, you know? I was a big scene kid. Yeah. I loved it Yeah, so all. this seems, like, very up your alley. Yeah, no, I would, I, these are all my favorite bands. I would love to see them, but I just, I don't know if that day of just messiness, 12 hours straight of messiness is worth my mental health. Yeah, that's fair. Or physical health. That seems yeah. exhausting. It sounds like the Festival Grounds itself is really big, too. Like, it just seems like, um, especially if you're spending, again, $300 at least to go to this festival, you're going to not get your money's worth. It's too much standing. It sounds like way too too much much standing. Most festivals are sort of like they start at 11 a.m., right? And then they go until 11 p.m. But because of the way that things are staggered and the way that, you know, the acts come out, like, 
you can really be there for as little or long as you need to be. But this seems like you're going to have to be there for a full 12 hours to actually maximize Mm -hmm. what you're spending and see all the bands you want to see because it won't be properly sort of separated. But I I feel like everybody made fun of um, that scene in Endress like that where Charlotte talks about Che's comedy concert and is like, why are there no seats? And like, but that's that's how I would feel, I think, yeah, <laughs> at Emo Firefest. Like, yeah. I would be like Charlotte and, and just like that. Like, where are the yeah. seats at this emo concert, <laughs> at this emo recital? <laughs> so we actually have an update on this festival that happened after we recorded the episode. And they announced a second day of When We Were Young Festival. So it'll be happening October 22nd and October 23rd. They're spraying it out across two days. We still don't know all the details on what that means, um, but it seems like they also added an extra hour to each day, so it'll be going from 11 a.m. to midnight. So hopefully the festival is not a total shit show and not emo fire fest. We will be keeping an eye out for any updates on it. So we're going to start our Himbo of the Week this week. We promised you an update on Gummy Snake Guy. Unfortunately, it's not a very good one, Brittany. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not a very good update per my research. But as we mentioned in an earlier episode, Gummy Snake Guy went viral for essentially deep-throating a gummy snake. Day five, sucking on the world's largest snake gummy. Third shot. 38? He has a name. I just don't want to refer to him by it. I don't think he's he deserves it. He's gummy snake guy. He's, he's gummy, gummy snake, snake guy. guy. I don't think he deserves to have a name. I don't think most men deserve to have a name, but this man in particular definitely does not. Yeah. Um. So here's my update. He stopped in mid-December at day seven. <laughs> he didn't get that far. That's it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that when we talked about him? Yeah, pretty much. Like a couple weeks after we talked about him. Yeah. Oh, my God. He didn't get Why that far. Why even try? Why even I- try? It's well, the thing is, and here's what I didn't think about, and we didn't think about it either when we were thinking about the logistics of it is the snake gets so big around the middle that he couldn't, he physically couldn't get his mouth around. I'm gonna keep it a buck with everyone. The deeper I go, the thicker it gets. It's hard for me to suck on this thing. <laughs> what happened to the snake? Did he throw it out? Seems like another waste of money. I don't know. I DM'd him. Maybe we can have another update. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> next week. The thing with TikTok is people waste so much money on things that are just not worth it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like, it's true. I could see him thinking that this was going to go like wildly viral. And then he saw how the first video performed and he was like, yeah, I did it. And then he was just like, it's not, you know, the juice is not worth a squeeze. I want to know how much it is. I'm looking up. I just like, I need to. It was. I want you to guess how much. How much a snake was? Yes. Wait, did you find an actual... They sell these, like, on Amazon? On Candy Warehouse. How do you know? How do you know that's the snake? It looks like... It's, like, the largest possible snake that they have. Okay, I'm I'm gonna guess. Um, How long is it? Tell me how long it is. Do, do you just have um, access to the measurements? It is eight feet. <laughs> what a stupid fucking thing to buy. Like having an eight foot gummy snake in your house. Oh my god, my husband would kill himself if I got an eight foot gummy snake and tried to store it. Guess in my how house. much it weighs. <sighs> I'm gonna guess that it weighs a little less than a small child. So I'm gonna guess 25 pounds. 26. You're close. 
Oh my God. Okay. I don't know how much a small child weighs, so I, I'm glad that you are a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that the snake was... That would end. I really hope that guy is not in a relationship because that would actually end my marriage. I have like end my marriage. So many questions. My husband. This is the snake. Yes, it is. Day one sucking the world's largest snake. I mean, this is the world. This is literally the snake. So we spent $150 and it's on this. out of stock. Because he probably bought the only one they had. Because how much you can't mass produce eight feet gummy it snakes. Is out of stock. Let me look how much it's um yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. It's supposed to be a party snake. Okay, what's the a comments, party snake? What's a party the comments snake? Are what? So where you share it, it's supposed to be like multiple servings. Like people like are supposed to cut up the snake and share it. Or I guess suck it together. Yeah, suck it together. Like, everybody's (laughs) supposed to suck on different parts of the gummies. Yeah. There's, okay, (laughs) the comments. It has 4.5 stars. Um, Logan M. gave it four stars. He said, a little too big. Which is like, (laughs) what did you expect from an eight-foot snake that you bought online that weighs 26 pounds? For the cost of a freelance... Article for, like, Bustle. Like, my freelance rate for Bustle. This is from November 12th. Um, the snake was a bit overwhelming. I got lockjaw munching on that hearty worm. My mouth can barely <laughs> extend itself open wide enough to fit the traumatizing girth of the snake's body. I couldn't even get the whole tip in my mouth, but still very tasty. A little, a little horny, Logan. Why did he not read? Why did um, Gummy Snake Guy not read that comment and take that into account? Um, Holly Davis gave it five stars. And he said the, the title is, I think y'all are awesome sauce. And then she said, I love, love, love that y'all make giant gummies. Y'all are so amazing. Can't wait to eat them. Thank you. Why, for what? Why? This, Why can't she it, wait to eat it? I, What's she I using it for? I'm not gonna, listen, you told me not to kink shame. I'm not going <laughs> to kink shame. Whatever people need to get through the day, I all support I, it. It's supposed to be say, 450 servings. It's supposed to serve four, 450 servings. We should expense it, honestly. I absolutely have no desire to. I would rather expense anything else. <laughs> we we could we should save that request for something that is not disgusting. You you don't think Rolling Stone would expense our uh our journey to suck on the world's largest gummy snake? We should for the podcast? we should expense a piece of furniture that West Elm Caleb has designed. Good. That's a that's a good idea. That's a good. I would idea, rather. Actually. It's probably the same price. As this 26 pound gummy snake. Okay, now it's time for our actual himbo of the week. So, everyone is familiar with the concept of the thirst trap on TikTok, where a hot guy stands in front of a mirror and like dances or bites his lips seductively. Or there's the famous one with the guy role playing that is being arrested and then saying goodbye to the woman he loves, which makes me laugh so hard. Um, all classic himbo behavior without which this segment would not exist. Um, but it's Obviously, extremely cringe and ripe for parody. Um, so that's exactly what our himbo of the week at Mr. Big Chops 69, great username, did. He has this ongoing series, Duetting Thirst Traps as an Ugly Guy to show how cringy they are, where he duets various hot guys with his shirt off, reenacting the thirst traps to demonstrate how stupid these videos are. Like, we'll put some examples in the show notes. Um, and it's really great. 
I mean, in part, it's a very easy conceit, like, to, it's not hard to make fun of these guys. But I had no idea, like, the extent to which these videos are stupid. Like, I don't get these videos on my For You page. Like, A, how do you find them? I don't usually. I don't usually. I follow, like, do you follow, um, I think it's, like, fave TikToks 420 or something. And it's, like, all these, like, really cringy, like, videos that people post, especially guys thinking they're, they're really hot. No, but it sounds like I should follow it. Yeah, it's like very, very. So, I, so that's where I see it mostly is curated on this TikTok page. Yeah, he's he's an expert curator. Like he should <clears throat> he should get a job as like a docent at the Met <laughs> <laughs> or something. Like there's one where the camera like pans from some guy's crotch and sweatpants, and then he makes a fingering motion, and yeah. then he just scratches his face. Like they don't even put in any effort into these. Videos, it's like the himbo version of the Hillary Duff soft choreo that we talked about yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Like, yes, give us nothing. It's just <laughs> no, no effort. But anyway, this guy's point is well taken, but I don't think he's ugly. He's got That's like daddy thing. bear vibes. He is, he is the one who has titled it Do Any Thirst Traps as an Ugly Guy. We, I like, I don't think he's ugly. He's not ugly. He's cute. Yeah. And all the comments, that's what I love about this is like all the comments are just like so. Just, like, people just, like, love him. He will just adore him. People are like, this is, like, such a thirst trap itself. Because he's so fun. Yeah, he's sexy. He has a good sense of humor. And and I adore him. Obsessed with Mr. Big Chops 69. Don't sell yourself too short, Mr. Big Chops 69. Yeah. We're your your biggest fans. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening and Don't Let This Flop, This Week in TikTok, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network. Written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and E.J. Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Dan Stein. And original music composed by Daniel Martzleft. 